Thank you so much for joining us on this beautiful Easter, whether you're, you're part of the Grace Community Church family or whether you're visiting with us here or outside in the tent or, or online. Uh, it's just it's a, a joy to, to gather together. Uh, my name's Brendan. I'm, I'm one of the pastors here. And, you know, so as we, as we come to, to Easter, this is, this is one of those, those days that, um, you know, it's, it's probably my favorite holiday of the year. Uh, but this past year, with, with so, much, so much discouragement, so much, uh, so much suffering and pain and lockdowns and heartache, this, I've really been looking forward to Easter. <laughs> and, and so I, I wonder what, you know, think about this with me. What, do, what does Easter like mean to you, because you know, Easter means a lot of things to, to a lot of different people. You know, for, for some of us, for some of us, Easter means like s- springtime and flowers, and after the dark, cold, locked down winter, you know, it's nice, it's warm, the flowers come out, and we're like, awesome, it's Easter. Uh, some maybe it's family, uh, maybe gathering together with family, and that's even more special this year. After you know, maybe it's maybe it's parents you haven't seen face to face in a long time. Um, maybe for e- you, for Easter means uh, Cadbury caramel eggs. Yeah, that 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 to me is that that's the reason for the season for me. The the, the Cadbury caramel eggs, not not the cream ones, the, the caramel ones. That's like when you like in February when those when those hit the store, you're like, yes, <laughs> it's time. Uh, but you know, so Easter Easter means a lot of different things, and and a lot of times we we try to 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 Hang some, hang some hope, hang some, some, some good feelings on, on this day uh, by, by trying to, to attach one of those meanings. It's springtime, it's family, it's new life, it's hope. And, and you know, all those things are, all those things are good. Uh, all those things are, are part of, of why I love Easter, especially the candy. But Easter, this day, Resurrection Sunday, has a, a specific meaning. There, there's a, a, a lot of things that we love and celebrate, but Easter is the celebration that Jesus Christ, who lived 2,000 years ago, history attests, he walked the earth, he taught, did miracles, and died on a cross. Easter is the day that we as Christians and Christians across the world believe that death was defeated. But we were singing about that, that he, he is not dead. He is, in fact, alive. Not in some kind of metaphorical, new life, hope kind of way, but that his heart beats. And that he's alive and he's alive to save. And that's why we're here to celebrate. That's why, that's why the video said, that's why we, we do church on Sundays, because we believe that Jesus is alive. And so we believe that Easter changes everything. Easter changes everything. It's not just a one day that you can kind of have some, some hope for, but it's, it's everything. It cha- it's the past, the present, and the future. Everything changes because of Easter. And so what I, what I want to do today is I want to go uh, to Paul's letter to the church in Corinth. You know, if you're part of the Grace Community family, then... <laughs> Should I switch mics? Is this mic being... Friday. Hold on. (laughs) 
All right, Andrew, I have your mic now. <laughs> All right, we'll just do it this way. <laughs> so it, uh, if you've been in, uh, it, you know, it, it's a part of our church family, you know that we're kind of hanging out this year. Let me turn this off. Be gone with you there. <laughs> All right. So, there we go. That's better. Hey, hi, everybody. <laughs> so we've been in 1 Corinthians this year. Paul's, Paul's letter to, to, to the church in Corinth with all these problems really messed up. And one of the things that the church in Corinth is messed up about is Easter. They're, they're confused. They have different ideas of what, like, what do we mean when we say Jesus rose from the dead? Like, is he, like, is he really alive? Is this kind of a metaphorical thing? And so, so Paul corrects them, corrects us, lays down some truth that is the foundation for this, this declaration that Easter changes everything. And so if you have a Bible, you can open up to 1 Corinthians 15 in the New Testament. We're going to put it up here on the screen. But this is, this is the Apostle Paul writing to the church, and we believe this is God's word to us as well. So here, here's what he says. He, he says, and he's been talking about how, you know, that if Jesus isn't alive, then we're wasting our time here. And he says, but this in verse 20, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. In fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has also come the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. But each in his own order, Christ the first fruits, and then at his coming those who belong to Christ. And then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father after destroying every rule, every authority and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. So here we have how Easter changes everything, past and present and future. That's kind of our, our outline, is that Easter in the past, Easter in the present, Easter in the future. And what we're going to see is that, is that in changing everything, past, present, future, it's that Jesus really did rise. Jesus really does reign. And Jesus really is coming back. And so, so we can just look at this, because you see, it says in verse 20 that, in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. He, in, in other words, he really actually is alive. He really did walk out of that graveyard, not a, not a ghost, not a, not a metaphor, not, not a picture of hope or spring or anything, not, not like he's in a better place like grandma. No, it's his heart began to beat. Resurrected lungs inhaled. The blood that on Friday had flowed through wounds as he ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation began to flow again through resurrected veins. His nail-scarred feet made footprints in the spring grass as he stepped over the unconscious bodies of his Roman captors and he was on the loose. Jesus is alive. His tomb really is empty. This is what, what Paul means when he says, in fact, this really did happen. This really did happen. This, in history, this took place. Is what Paul claims. And, you know, all, all of history attests to this. You know, I, I, was, I wonder if you've ever th thought of this. This might be kind of a weird thing to say, but 
of all the different religions and worldviews in the world, only Christianity is a disprovable religion. So that's kind of a weird thing to say, but only Christianity could, in theory, be proved wrong. Because what I mean by that is, is every other religion and worldview is more is built more on like somebody's ideas about God or about life. And you're like, you know, the thing with ideas is that, that you know, it's hard to prove an idea about God right or wrong. You know, so like, you know, Muhammad said that he had some vision in a cave. Did he? I, I don't know. <laughs> like, who, who knows? <laughs> He came out with some new ideas about God. Buddha sat under a tree, came up with some answers about the mystery of life. Was he wrong? Who knows? Because it's ideas. You can't really disprove ideas like that. Christianity is different. Because Christianity does not rest on some just ideas about God. It rests on an event that something happened in history. And so when I say that, that Christianity is a disprovable religion, I mean either the tomb is empty or it's not. Either his heart beats or it doesn't. Easter isn't, isn't a metaphor or, or an idea or a doctrine. It's, it's an event. So you, like, you can't disprove Muhammad. You can't disprove Buddha. But Christianity... Produce the body, and this whole thing falls apart like a house of cards. And so what we're here celebrating, what we're here singing about, is not just some idea about God. What we're saying, what we're declaring, if, if, if you're a Christian, what, what you're putting your faith in is that something happened. And you know, the fact that, that Jesus died on a Friday is one of, if, you know, if maybe not the most well-attested historical facts from that era. You, you have eyewitness accounts, you have Roman records, you have historians from that time period, and every single one of them agree that Jesus of Nazareth was executed on a Roman cross on Friday, April 3rd, 33 AD. And all those sources agree, on April 5th, the tomb was empty. Something happened in history. And, you know, many people have tried to come up with an alternate explanation to, to account for those facts. But, you know, none of them hold water. None of them hold water on really even a, a cursory examination. You know, it's, he, he really was dead. It wasn't, it, wasn't like, it wasn't like he passed out and woke up later and everyone's like, oh my goodness, he's alive. You know, the, the Roman executioners made sure of that. They were, they were good at their jobs. And, and the body really was gone on Sunday. You know, the women didn't get confused and go to the wrong tomb. Uh, you know, that's like a lot of people, a lot of people will try to claim that. Frankly, I find that a little bit misogynistic. Like really, the, like the, the, women, the women got confused, showed up at the wrong tomb. If that's the case, all the Pharisees and the Romans would have had to do have been like, um, ladies over here, and boom, whole, thing, whole thing's you know, dead right there, stops. <laughs> or the idea that the, that the disciples stole the body, that, that, that's a popular explanation too. Uh, that doesn't really hold up either, because first of all, the eyewitness accounts make it clear the disciples weren't expecting this. 
They, they, weren't, they weren't anticipating a resurrection. They didn't, they didn't have a category for this. You know, just, just, like, just like we don't. Sometimes we have this kind of this historical arrogance that we're like, oh, those simple people back then think that people can rise from the dead. No, they didn't. <laughs> they didn't have a category for that. Just like we don't have a category for that. And so they weren't anticipating Easter. They were fearful and demoralized and grieving. They, they were hiding from the Romans. They were worried they were next. So the idea that they somehow overpowered or snuck past these Roman guards, these professional soldiers who were stationed to guard the tomb on the penalty of their own lives, that somehow that ragtag bunch of fishermen outwitted the Romans, stole the body, proclaimed him risen, and then every single one then went to their deaths proclaiming that this really happened? I mean, come on. <laughs> every single one of those disciples who saw him alive went to their deaths insisting this happened and this changes everything. There's, there's a, a, a great quote by, by a guy named Chuck Colson. I, I don't know if you know him kind of from American history. He was, a, he was kind of in the political world and he was part of the kind of the Watergate conspiracy and scandal, uh, was imprisoned for that and became a Christian in prison. And here's, here's what Chuck Colson <laughs> says about Easter. I think this is really interesting from his perspective. He says, I know the resurrection is a fact, and Watergate proved it to me. Interesting. He said, how? He says, because 12 men testified they, they had seen Jesus raised from the dead, and then they proclaimed that truth for 40 years, never once denying it. Everyone was beaten, tortured, stoned, put in prison. They would not have endured that if it weren't true, or at least if they, if they knew it wasn't true. They, like no one, no one would have held out that lie that long. Watergate, he says, embroiled 12 of the most powerful men in the world, and they couldn't keep alive for three weeks. You're telling me 12 apostles could keep alive for 40 years? Absolutely impossible. So here, here's the thing. We gotta reckon with this because maybe maybe you're here and you know you've you've been following Jesus you've you've put your faith in him and you've been following Jesus for years you've been a Christian for years it's good every once in a while to just take a step back and, and reflect and reevaluate that what we believe is something that happened in history that this really broke into history and changed everything or, or maybe, maybe you're here, maybe you're watching, and, and that's not really where you're at spiritually. Maybe, maybe for you, Easter is kind of that thing you do with, with family. It's that tradition. If so, I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad you're watching. Thank you. But if that's you, you gotta, you got to reckon with this too, with this claim that, that something actually happened, that the tomb is empty, and none of the other explanations hold water. Because if he really did rise, if Easter is true, that means Jesus really is alive, and today he really is reigning. He really is reigning. Easter in the past means that Easter in the present changes everything. Because look at verse 25. But look at verse 25 there and what Paul says. It says that, that he must reign, kind of that's present tense, reigning, until he has put all his enemies under his feet. What Paul's claiming there is that 
because Jesus really did rise, he now today really is reigning and really is conquering. And we're not here gathered this morning singing to an idea or just kind of holding some hope in our hearts. There is a risen Savior who is reigning, who is on the throne, who is alive and with us. So what are you going to do with that Jesus? What are you going to do with that Jesus who's alive? Because this is the good news. The, re the reason we celebrate, the reason we sing is because this king who conquered the grave offers new life to us. This is how Easter changes everything in the present. If, if you see there, Paul says in, in verse 22, he says, in Adam all die. In other words, every human being is broken. Every human being is in rebellion against God. You might not think of yourself as a, as a particularly bad person. You might think, oh, I'm better than, better than the other guy at least. But every single one of us is chained to sin and death. It's, it's coming out of us. It's in, it's in our thoughts. It's in our motives. It's in, it's in the things that, that we hide that we don't want anyone else to find out about. If, if, we could just, if we could just put up here on the screen your or my thoughts from this morning, how horrifying would that be? All of us, even the best of us, are sunk. In Adam, all die. And so Jesus endured our death. Jesus took it on himself. Jesus paid the full cost of our rebellion. The reason Friday is good I mean, what, what a strange thing to say, Good Friday, the execution of the Son of God. But Friday is good because he took our sin, he took our guilt, he took our brokenness, he took our shame, he took our death so that everyone who puts their trust in him and says, Jesus, I need a savior like that because I can't fix myself. Everyone who puts their faith in him has their sins forgiven, has their slate wiped clean, guilt gone, shame removed, new life. In Adam all die. But he says, but in Christ, everyone who's in Christ, who's been joined to him by faith, shall be made alive. It's the, the, this, this announcement, what, what Easter changes in the present is that because Jesus is alive, you can be transferred into a membership in a new humanity with Jesus as the head, with new life and freedom and hope and joy. And, you know, we still live in a world of death. But those who put their trust in Christ get his resurrection working in their hearts. New life starting to, to push up, pushing aside the sin and selfishness and brokenness and pride, little, little by little, achingly, little bit by little bit, but the, the resurrection at work in us. Do you know this Jesus? And I, I want to invite you if, you, if you don't, if you've not put your faith in this Jesus who's alive today, there, there's a reason that you're here. There, there's a reason that, you're, that, that you've tuned in and that you're watching. It's because Jesus is inviting you to, to know him. 
to not let another Easter go by and just make it all about the Cadbury caramel eggs, but that you too can have new life. You too can have freedom and forgiveness, not by cleaning up your act, not by coming to church, as if coming to church could somehow fix what's wrong inside of us. No, it's Jesus is alive. And he invites you to just to take, to reach out by faith and take hold of him and say, I need your death for me. I need your life for me. Be my savior. And, like, and that's all there is to it. He'll, he'll take it from there. He'll take it from there and he'll lead you into a new life that changes everything in the present because he's alive now and he's reigning now. And for those of us who, who do know that, who have put our faith in that, you know, because he's reigning now, to receive Jesus means we get to rest in, in that reign. But there, there's some good news in the present here for us that, that he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The world is not spinning out of control, despite what it looks like on the news. He's the king. And he has all authority in heaven and on earth. That means everything works for him now. Pandemics and politicians, and whatever else, all serve his purposes. And so he's in control, so you don't have to be. Easter changes everything. You can, you can lay down the spinning plates. You can, you can lay down the attempts to control and manage all the outcomes. You can lay down the weight of, of worry. Because, I mean, like, He's beaten death. What else is there to be afraid of if this king is risen and reigning and loves you? Child of God, he loves you. Christian, he loves you. He gave his life for you. He reigns for you. And so we can rest in that. Easter changes everything. Now, Easter changes everything in the past because he really did rise. It changes everything in the present because, because he really does reign. And it changes everything in the future because he really is returning. He really is coming back. See, Easter is not just an event in the, in the past and good news in the present. It does change everything for the future, too. And, and what, what Paul describes here in the effect of Easter is that Easter is not just some one-off event that happened in the past. Easter is the first domino. Easter is the first domino to fall in God's plan to remake the whole world as a reward for his son and a perfect home for his people. Look at verse 20. He says, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. There, there, there's a Bible word there. We don't, we don't go around talking about first fruits that often. But what first fruits was, was it was, it was the very first part of the harvest. It was a celebration that happened in springtime, actually happened just after Passover. <laughs> Today is actually the Jewish feast of the first fruits. Uh, when when as, as, the, as the, you know, the wheat and barley starts to grow before it's ripened, before, before it's ready to be harvested, the very first stalk is plucked and brought to God. It's this kind of this, this promise, this, this hope that this, this one head of wheat signals a whole harvest to come. 
that this isn't the whole harvest, this is just the first. This is the down payment. This is the first domino. And so what Paul is saying here is that Jesus' resurrection is not a one-off thing. It's the first. It's the first of resurrection to come. It's the first fruits. It's his, his new life, the empty tomb. It's like, it's like the first daffodil poking up through the snow. It's like that's not the whole season of spring. It's the proof that all the flowers are coming, it, that the trees are about to burst forth in new life, that the cold and dark of winter is almost over, that warmth and light and longer days and beauty and summer vacation, it's all coming. That, that, first, that first green poking through the snow is proof that everything's about to change, and that's what Jesus' resurrection is. It's that first daffodil pushing through the snow the first fruits of a harvest that is coming. You can see, as he, Paul continues, for as by a man came death, and the whole world now is broken, so by a man has come the resurrection from the dead. As in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. But each in his own order, Christ the first fruits, the proof of the harvest, and then at his coming, those who belong to him. See, Easter isn't the end of the story. Easter is the beginning. Easter is the first domino. On, if you were here on Good Friday, you know, as, as we saw on Good Friday as the, as the skies over Jerusalem went dark and the earth shook, that Good Friday was really the end of the world coming early. It was the end of the world, Judgment Day, breaking in as our sins were punished on Jesus on the cross. Well, if Good Friday is the end of the world coming early, then Easter is the new heavens and new earth coming early. Easter is, is the, the end of the story breaking in to the middle. It's the new creation springing up in the midst of the old one. In Easter, we flipped to the last page. Easter's the, the spoiler alert on the end of the story. And if Easter means that Jesus really is alive and really is reigning, it also means he's really returning. It's not the end. Verse 24 says, it says, when Jesus returns, then comes the end. When he delivers the kingdom to God the Father after destroying every rule and authority and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. And that last enemy to be destroyed that one that, that haunts us, that stalks us, that we see in pandemics and funeral homes and divorce courts and hospital beds, that last enemy in depression and anxiety, in fear, in loneliness, in betrayal, in sin, in wars, that last enemy, death, is going to be destroyed. Easter means that death has an expiration date. It means everything wrong in the world is going to be rolled back, just as the stone was rolled away from the tomb. Romans chapter 8 says it this way. It says this way. This whole, it says this whole creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the children of God. On that, on that day when Jesus comes back to claim his own, it says the creation was subjected to futility, 
Everything's broken. In Adam, all die. Not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption, its bondage to decay, where everything breaks and everything dies. And one day the creation itself will obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. And that freedom from bondage to decay, you know when that started? The first breath in the tomb. As that future broke in early. And the invitation is you can get in on that. <laughs> you, you can get in on the, new, on the new life that's here in this old world of sin and death now. See, Easter, see, Easter is not just some metaphor for spring. Really, it's the other way around. Spring is a metaphor for Easter. Easter's the reality. Easter is the future. Easter is what all creation longs for and one day will attain. All, all the blossoms on the trees outside, all the warm spring sun shining, what that's whispering is that this broken world is not all that there is. This is not the end. There's more and it's coming. And one day life will break upon this world. Jesus Christ himself is going to pull this groaning creation out of the grave. And if you are in Christ, if you've been joined to his resurrection, if you've put your faith in him, then he's pulling you out of the grave too. One day all death, all suffering, all injustice, all evil will be swept out of God's world like dust off of a table. And the children of God who have put their trust in Jesus, been adopted into his family with their sins forgiven, the children of God will rise to inherit a new creation face to face with God forever. Easter changes everything. Listen to the end of the story. The end of the story is Easter coming for everything. The apostle John says, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and first earth had passed away, the sea was no more, and I saw the holy city, new Jerusalem, God's perfected people, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them. They will be his people. God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. The former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne, the one who today is reigning, said, behold, I am making all things new. Easter changes everything. Death, death seems ascendant in our world, doesn't it? You know, that, that end of the story seems really far away. In 2020, more Americans died than any other year in our history. You know, unsurprising with a pandemic raging. Life expectancy collapsed a full year last year. Not to mention the loneliness, the depression, the fear, the societal turmoil, the protests, the injustice, so much suffering. It looks like death is winning, doesn't it? 
But what Easter tells us is it's all a show. It's all a sham. Death isn't winning. Hell is crumbling in full retreat from the inside out. Jesus' kingdom is marching forward. He is calling people out of darkness into light from every tribe and nation and people and language to join his new humanity. No lockdown can stop the one who walked out of the grave. And all of the suffering and heartache and injustice and pandemics and everything wrong in the world, that's not death winning. That's death thrashing in its death throes. That's the long last rattle of its last gasp. Death dies. Jesus wins. And in the end, Easter comes for you. This is the hope of Easter. Past present and future. Yesterday, today, and forever. He really is alive. He really is reigning, and he really is returning to make all things new. So we can, we can rejoice. We can have hope. We can have faith. We can have confidence in the dark. He's alive, church. He is risen indeed.